Hey, Shellheads, uh, we're back. It's Sergio. Uh, I just want to apologize up front that the sound quality on this one is kind of all over the place, uh, but it's totally listenable, and next time around, hopefully, we don't have as many problems. Uh, enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Shellheads. Uh, we're back. We, we 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 took a little bit of a uh, of a of a post uh, Independence Day break there, but I'm back. I'm Sergio. Uh, we are a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast, and I'm here with the other host of of the show, the one and only, reporting live from the Warp Zone, Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? Well, you already said it, Sergio. I'm I'm at work recording, which means my internet has crapped out at the house again. So, could be better. When we record next, your stuff's going to be working. I love that optimistic calling, just, it. calling just, you know, positivity because I could freaking use that. All right. Well, let's let's jump into 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 you know the show proper, I guess. Jeff, what is our first segment? It's time to see what's in Sergio's box. Okay. So we talked about this last time when, when we recorded, what, like a month ago. Uh, yeah. Loot Crate, that they have risen from the dead and actually sent out uh, the second loot box, which is actually the third crate. It's the Shredder crate. They skipped the second crate. I don't... I, you know, I'm not questioning any of their their actions. They actually sent me something in the mail, and I opened it, and it was wonderful. So right now, I have no complaints. Not looking a, uh, a gift clone in the mouth? That's right. That's right. You know, with, with, with any luck, we'll end up with all of these things shipping. And do you want to know what was, what was in that loot crate? Uh, please, enlighten us. Okay, so so if you follow us on the Instagram, uh, which is Shellheads Podcast, if you're not following us already, I did post pictures of of the you know the items that came in, and there's a really cool Mirage T-shirt that has Raphael on it, like an like, a, and it's actually like a a panel from the comic, and it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles underneath it. It's really really cool looking. There's also, of course, the Claw Shredder uh, Mirage figure. Which looks amazing. It matches the, the the shredder figures they already have, or the shredder and foot figures they already have for that line. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, but like usual, the loot crate exclusive doesn't really have any accessories, so it's not like claw shredder and then a whole bunch of stuff to you know attach to him. It's like him and maybe one other thing. Like there's really not really any any accessories with him. Yeah. Which, whatever. I guess I'm fine with it. Um. There is a small little Mirage-themed uh, Mylar pin. Is it Mylar? I think it's Mylar. The metal pin, you know, those little pins. Or lapel pin. or Lapel pin or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And then probably the, the most fun item in the, 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 the crate is a Utrum fanny pack. <laughs> now, I say Utrum because people are going to see it and say, oh, look, it's Krang. But... This is the Mirage crate, so everything in it is Mirage-themed, 
And if you look closely, it doesn't actually look like Krang. Mm-hmm. It looks like an Utrum from the comic books. So, th- like, that is a real niche item. Oh, yeah. No one is looking for an Utrum fanny pack. But when you wear it, it looks like there's a little Utrum living in your stomach. It's real cute. I like yeah. it. Uh, now, a lot of people are complaining that it doesn't have as many items as the previous loot crates did. Right. Um, I would say it definitely has twenty or $50 worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to say that the items aren't you know worth it right because uh, let's see if, if the figure is 35 bucks let's just you know you're getting a t-shirt a fanny pack and a pen for 15 dollars which is a great deal yeah but that's really the only thing that's in sergio's box this week okay that was it uh i do want to talk real quick about the comic-con we uh, I, I we slash i did the panel and, you know, some people showed up and I, I gave away some T-shirts. So there are some some Shellheads T-shirts floating around in the wild now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made them myself, so they're a little janky, but I hope people wear them and enjoy them. They're, they're, they're comfy, considering they're real cheap to make. So uh, yeah, I want to thank I, everyone who came to the Comic-Con. Uh, I hate that you weren't able to be there, uh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah, I hate I was not able to make it as well. Yeah. Uh, but it, I, I gave away some some little tchotchkes, little Little thing, like I remember some girl came up and said, uh, can I have a shirt? And I was like, what's your, who's your favorite turtle? And she was like, Michelangelo. And I just gave her a Michelangelo figure that I had like an extra of. And she was like, oh, wow. And I gave her a T-shirt. So well, there you go. Hopefully I made her day. Hopefully. Uh, so thanks, everyone who came out. Let's move on to the next ca- category. No, the next segment. And now it's time for that news. Ah. Oh, that, you know, that version of the uh, news announcement is what this chunk of news deserves because there's a lot of it. This is like the the Big Mac or the 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 the, the triple Baconator version of news. Because <laughs> we've been gone a while, so a lot of companies have talked about Ninja Turtles a bunch. So where do we want to start? Um, I'm just going to dive right in. Okay. Uh, the first trailer for the Rise of TMNT movie has dropped, and boy, did it drop. Yeah, yeah. You say first, like there's going to be a whole bunch of trailers. No, that's probably going to be the only trailer. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. It's a Netflix but, movie. It's lucky you know, it got a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It is quite quite a trailer like my jaw just dropped yeah i i didn't expect it like so like take movies based on tv shows right like take uh the simpsons movie bob's burgers the movie even the south park movie like all of those they stepped up the animation you know yeah. they're like this is a feature film we have to make it look better or why are you know why would anyone leave their house this is a netflix movie about a failed tv you know failed tv show I was expecting it to just look like the TV show. Yeah. And for the most part, it's, it does. It doesn't like completely rework the animation or the style, but it, it has that extra like layer of, of like production that you can tell in the trailer. Like, Oh, they spent extra time making this look great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm really excited. 
So we're well, another, another like parallel too is like, you know, Batman the Animated Series and like Batman Mask of the Phantasm. There you go. That's one. You know, it they look about the same, but it's 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 amped up a good bit with the detail and the you know and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's a good uh, parallel. Um, yeah, absolutely. yeah, you're right. It looks incredible. And, and and when you mentioned, you know, we get, you know, a movie based off a failed show, it was because of the toxic fandom. To reiterate, <laughs> once again. <laughs> we don't have to reiterate. We, we, we've we talked at length about rides. Yeah, I know. But they know how like, we feel. They know how yeah. we feel. So everybody that's dissing on the movie trailer saying what, because you know, I've, I've perused social media and I'm just like, oh. no, you all of you people are wrong. Yeah, don't do Stop. that. Don't, don't. Don't Just look stop. for people to be mad at. No, I'm I'm Jeff. not. I looked at the comments to see, oh hey, you know, I was like, okay, oh well, animation back in the day is like it's not all. Just stop. Yeah, don't yeah, don't go, don't feed, don't feed the trolls, Jeff. I'm not. I'm not feeding them. We don't like trolls. That's true. Uh, we're less than a month away from that movie. It comes out August fifth. Is that is that the, is that the day? I. That sounds right. Think so. Yeah. It's, it's, Confirm. Yeah, because it's a Friday. Yeah, it's like, it's like August fifth. So yeah. exciting! Very exciting. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you all what's in the trailer. You just gotta watch it, or just wait to watch the movie. Because who man? Oh yeah, yeah. The trailer's easy to find. It's what hour, hour and a half, something like that. It's 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 feature length. Yeah. Uh, so what's our next news topic? We've got some strange news. Oh, uh, uh, ugh. That makes about as much sense as this crossover. And, you know, you thought Cobra Kai and Turtles figure crossover was was odd, but we're getting a Stranger Things crossover two-pack. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a a couple weeks ago they, they announced that they're doing Street Fighter, and now they're doing Stranger Things, which makes even less sense. Yeah. Like the, uh, of the th- of the three stupid crossovers that Playmates is doing, this one makes the least sense. I mean, the Street Fighter makes sense sense of you know tournament fighters, but I mean, it still just doesn't. Like what? Like I I guess we can make it make sense by saying oh this you know Stranger Things is based in the eighties. It's set in the eighties, you know when the turtles were popular. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Cobra Kai. I love Street Fighter. I love love Stranger Things, but a crossover pack with them just doesn't make any sense. The, and it's season three, uh, Eleven and Hopper. So uh-huh. I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> and they only announced two of them, right? Yeah. It's like it's so weird. And what's what's really odd is well, I guess this isn't odd. Uh, the turtles are the Mirage Turtles. Yeah, that is odd. But not if not if if you think about it, like right. Stranger Things is set in what the early '80s. Yeah. So it would make sense for the turtles in Stranger T- Things land to you know it would make sense for them to be the comic turtles, but yeah, that's just you know how many people are gonna walk through Target. And grab the eleven Leonardo box and say Leo's mask is the wrong color. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I will say this: at least the Stranger Things sculpts look good, as opposed to the Cobra Kai ones. Okay. If you say so. 
I, I have I have no opinion whatsoever <laughs> on those sculpts. Uh, I and I, I will give them this: the sculpts of the turtles are not a repackaging of those same sculpts that they've repackaged twelve times. Yeah, these actually look like new sculpts. So good on them, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the only other thing I want to say about these is uh, they did find a clever way to package them. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the packaging? Yeah, I, I have. Yeah. So if the turtles are right side up and then the stranger things are upside down, like they're in the upside down and you then turn the box over and then stranger things characters are right side up and the turtles are upside down. Like they're in the upside down. It's, it's cute. Um, I guess, Let's continue to talk about Playmates. Okay. You know all these collectible boxes that they've done with uh, old Turtles figures in them? You know, there, there was first the uh, like the, the, the party wagon, then there was the the, 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 the old bus from, uh, from the, the, the comic, then there was like the underground sewer lair. Well, they are releasing at least three more of these things. One of them is in is a villain's box uh, that has it looks like wingnut screw loose or wingnut and screw loose leatherhead a foot soldier and mutagen man yeah and the box that they're in is the no, the shell cruiser is that what it, i don't know what it was called but it's it's yeah it's packaged in a box that looks like that the next one is a superheroes and villains box. Yeah. Which has Michelangelo as the. Did he have a name when he was when that action? I, I don't know. I'm not fam, that familiar with these action figures, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Super Mike. Here we go. Super Mike. Super Don. Mighty Bebop. And Rhino Man. And we recently watched the Rhino Man episode. Yeah. Episode. Like these figures, these are cool. Like I'm, I'm glad that they're getting deeper into these re-releases because the last thing I need is another re-release of the original figures. These are cool. I'm going to get these. Absolutely. Uh, the, the third box that they, uh, they pseudo announced was the toon turtles. These turtles look, look drugged. Yeah. <laughs> They absolutely do. Uh, they're very cartoonish, very shiny. So Playmates is still on the, the re-release wagon. At least they're more interesting than the previous ones. I will give them that. Yeah. Any chance you get any of these? Uh, no. <laughs> I knew the answer. I just well, figured I would ask. If they put out, like, maybe the Universal Monsters ones or maybe uh, the Star Trek Turtles... I would get those. So only the ones that are licensing Nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to throw it back to you for the next news story. We get our first look at the NECA Mirage Casey. Uh, yeah. Which is up for pre-order now. Uh, at least at, at Big Bad Toy Store. Right. The non-sponsored Big Bad Toy Store. Yeah. So it, it, that that figure looks amazing. It really, really does. It, it looks like it just jumped off the page. I don't expect anything less from from NECA at this point. They've just been killing it. Yeah. And 
the Mirage stuff literally just looks like it jumped off the page. Yeah. And this this Casey is just right in line with that. They're able to use the the, the sharp uh, black lines to look like the the comic. And let's see, does his mask come off? It's got to come off, right? Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. Excellent. Abs- absolutely excellent. His mask doesn't come off. His head comes off. Oh, OK. OK, that works. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I've already pre-ordered mine. Like, it was first day it went up. I was like, I got to get that. I'm just glad they're continuing the Mirage line. Yeah. It took a while, but hey. Yeah. And I like the new box art. Okay. I haven't seen the box art yet. Um, it It's simple. It's to the point. It, when you see it, you're like, okay, yeah, that, that works. It, it, they're not doing them like Ultimate Figures where they have the gatefold front. You know, it's they're not they're not uh, two packs, so they're not super big. They're just very straightforward to the point and they look good. So I, I like the new boxes. Cool. Um, uh, if, if we're going to stay on the NECA train here. So this hasn't been announced, but it leaked via the back of a box. So whenever you buy the cartoon line on the back, it says collect them all. And it lists other two packs that you can get in the series. Well, someone has already seen the 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 smash Zach Zach yeah the smash and Zach two pack. Mm-hmm. Somebody's seen that already and they flipped it over, looked at the back and on the back it has a picture of Dirk Savage and Mona Lisa. Nice as a two pack. It's that's a weird combination because it's their episodes weird. were like three seasons apart. Yeah, but I'm sure these are all done by packaging and sizing. So, like, Dirk Savage and Mona Lisa, they're about the same size. Let's put them in the same packaging. Uh, no dates or anything have been given for this. Uh, at least I'm not aware of any, of any. And uh, they have a lot of figures they need to release, so I doubt this is going to be anytime soon. Probably not even this year. But it's cool that Dirk Savage is is getting a figure. You never know. You never know. And if you're wondering what Dirk Savage looks like, if, you're, if you've seen the movie uh, Escape from New York, he looks like Snake Plissken. Yep. And if you yep. haven't seen Escape from New York, I highly recommend it. It was a great movie. It's been a very long time since I've seen Escape from New York. Uh, okay. We just we have more figure news, right? We do. Okay, what's next? Uh, next up is uh, from Super 7. We haven't talked about them for a bit. Uh, we're getting a... Uh, Glow variant release uh, of all four turtles. Yeah. All right. What? Sure. Why not? Uh, yeah. I. I'm not against glow in the dark figures. I just don't see the point. Yeah. Like I would much rather them just continue to print the original four. I mean, would that show up better under like say like a black light? Yeah, but. Like who is who is setting up a turtle's diorama with a black light as the lighting? Dude, I'm not who's doing past, that. I'm not putting anything past any collector out there doing dioramas and all kinds of cool looking stuff. I mean, you never know. It could be like a you know like a man cave that has black lights in it. You know. Yeah, uh, I like I say that, and I have a bunch of variants of pop figures, so. You know, I'm I'm kind of 
stabbing myself in the back. It's just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, glow in the dark just doesn't, it was cool when I was a kid because, you know, you could go, you know, crawl under your bed and be like, Ooh, this glow worm is glowing. But I'm, I'm 40 I'm almost 40. What's, what's, what's the point? Or if you, uh, had your original, uh, mutagen can and dug to the bottom, there was a, uh, glow in the dark turtle with a turtle head, like baby turtle with the, uh, uh, bandana head yeah and that kind of makes sense you know because yeah. you know it's in the process of being mutated so it's radioactive so okay with the mask on too it's on theme unusual but sure why not yeah i have one of those yeah unopened oh yum yeah. uh <laughs> yeah I, like, either there there's one or two things um i'm amazed that the uh the ooze has not eaten its way through the plastic too. <laughs> the figure has probably been melted. It's probably disintegrated in the bottom of that thing. It's, it's a possibility because when people open that stuff up, it'll burn through stuff. I, uh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Like when I got it and it wasn't open, I was like, well, never opening that. But I, I went on eBay to see, you know, how much is this thing worth? And like, it's, it's worth a lot more than what, Obviously, it, it was worth when I, it was originally purchased. But there's a purple one that's like retro mutagen. Oh, wow. That apparently you can get hundreds and hundreds of dollars for if you have it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't I, have the retro mutagen one. <laughs> I was only aware of, of, of the one type of version. And then, of course, it like was that. And then it was like what uh, what muscle uh, figures like the, uh, the, the clear see-through trash can with the pink figures inside mm-hmm. i had tons of those guys yeah I, if you're into it by the glow in the dark variants i just i don't get it i don't get it yeah um let's see what else do we have we have a couple of things here you want to take the next one uh yeah yeah so a, a some fan made a last ronin anim and like animated short yeah like it just kind of came out of nowhere and it looks amazing. Yeah. I, I want that movie now. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would go that far. Like, no, I would. I want to hold it. looks really movie. cool. Yeah. Uh, People are getting tired of not getting good content, man. Movie wise and stuff like that. No, I'm not. And again, I'm not dissing on what we've gotten, but I'm like, we need more adult stuff. True, true. We've already talked about this at length. I mean, the yeah. closest we got was Batman vs. Turtles. Like, this this looks cool, but I, can they... It's How long is it? It's like four minutes long, and the last minute is just like dedications and stuff and credits. Yeah. So, like, would, would whoever did this be able to keep it up for an hour and a half? I think so. You know? Like it looking great is one thing, but making a a compelling story and tying it to the comic the right way and, and, and taking what they needed from the comic to make it good. Like there's way more factors that go into making a film than dude, that looks cool. But I can say confidently that, dude, this looks cool. Yeah. Oh, no, I, 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 I will give you that. But also, too, it's it's fan films are kind of a slippery slope, you know, uh, without <laughs> without having a team, you know, behind you. But 
dude pulled it off. You know, I, I don't put anything past anybody, you know, with the creative mind uh, as, a, as a force to drive them. Um, and, you know, it definitely could be done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I want a movie <laughs> so bad. Uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get one. Do you have any other news topics? Because I've got one but I, that I didn't tell you about. Uh, oh, well, we've got uh, San Diego Comic Con is coming up. That's right. And um, there's going to be a 1990s movie panel. Yeah, that's odd. It's very odd. Because it's, it's not like this year is an anniversary for the movie. Not per se. Not like a, you know, a 30th or 40th or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. It is going to be, let's see here. Maybe they're doing it because, wasn't San Diego Comic-Con canceled in 2020? I can't remember. Like, that would make sense. Yeah, it had to have been. Is this is this the first full, full-on San Diego Comic-Con since the pandemic? Uh, maybe. Again, I, I don't really keep up with... Yeah. Like maybe I'm just talking, you know, out the you know wrong side of my mouth. I don't know, but that that if that's the case, and they're just like, let's celebrate the end of you know the 30th two years late because we, this is our only option, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Kim Dawson, producer, um, is going to be there. Bobby Herbeck was also the writer of the original film is going to be there. Um, and, uh, it sure would be nice if we got, you know, uh, a new remastered collection announcement on Blu-ray or whatever, 4k, or whatever. I'm not getting my hopes up for that. You know, the Blu-rays we got, they work, they're not bad, but we could use, you know, some collector's editions, you know, with some behind the scenes and, you know, all kinds of other, you know, stuff and things like that, uh, Arrow Video does, uh, which they do amazing releases for their films. Yeah, um, I'd love to see that. Um, uh, actually, this it, this looks like it's more of a all around turtles uh, panel. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. I was, just, I was just looking at the press release. Well, no, the, like the press release says, the producer of the '90s movie, the writer of the '90s movie, Randy Falk, which is a NECA Toys person. And then Sam Rocco, who's a, the director of The Fall of Casey Jones, which is a fan film. Uh, and he's also the director of a new TMNT documentary. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and it says possible surprise guests. So who knows? Uh, I will probably see some sort of NECA announcements. Yeah. At, at least one, possibly, if you know, more than that, simply because Randy's there. But it, yeah, I. I wish there were ways to watch these. It'll probably pop up on like YouTube or something. Maybe, maybe, but we'll see. We'll see if any, any, uh, news pops out of it. It's, but yeah, it's during the comic con. So, yeah. Uh, my last news topic is kind of news about turtles and not news about turtles. So do you remember a couple years ago when we first did our, our fan fiction fest, and we watched that Casey Jones short film. 
that was directed by Polaris Banks. Yeah. He directed it, started it, he played Casey. Well, he uh he's moved on to other projects like creative people do. And he is self-funding a movie called Reclaw. Reclaw? I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that's beside the point. It's R-E-K-L-A-W. Mm. Now, I don't know if this film's any good. I, I it, It's hard for me to be like, well, he did the Casey movie. This has got to be good. It's possible. It may be great. That's not why I'm bringing this up. The reason I'm bringing it up is it's currently on Indiegogo. And if you visit the page, you'll see that there are some, like, bonus awards, like, mm-hmm. That you can choose when you're purchasing the movie. Some of those bonus awards are Casey Jones merchandise. Oh, cool. That's like got art from like the, the movie. That's got art from like the box art of the, the movie he made. Mm-hmm. So it's not cheap, mind you. There he has uh, one, two, three, four uh, long sleeve T-shirts or quarter length, three quarter length T-shirts that have Casey Jones on them, they're $100. Now, that's likely that is the T-shirt and, you know, the movie that he's making. So you get both things. But they're really good-looking shirts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I can't speak to the movie. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, I might even watch it when it comes out. I might even, you know, back it because he did such a good job on the Casey film. Oh, yeah. But I just wanted to point that out because I saw that it, they were available and it's a really, really like the audience for those four t-shirts is very tiny, but the audience for those four t-shirts might actually hear this if they're listening to, you know, to shellheads. Yeah. So, uh, the link to his Indiegogo will be in the show notes along with all, of course, all of the other news stuff. Yeah. Those of you who listen, like if, you want to know anything about one of the news topics that we talk about, I typically put them in the show notes. Depending on your podcast player, they may or may not make the journey over to the the player you're using. You can always visit realitybreach.com. The news topics will be directly under the episode for you to, you know, go find what you need if you're not able to find it on your own. Yeah. Um, I do have a piece of, it's just like, it's news, but it's not news. Okay. Well, I will say it's good news. Um, uh, Schroeder's Revenge has currently sold one million copies. That's not bad. That's fantastic. I say we're getting, you know, maybe some DLC, maybe a sequel. Uh, calm down. It's just a million. Like a million is good. That means it's probably a success, but it's not. It, it's just a million. I'm just going to, hey, I'm being positive here. I'm going to put that out there. You know, People like, are loving it. Assassin's Creed games sell 30 million copies. Eh. You know, real video games sell, <laughs> like, even, I saw a news story, like, It Takes Two, like, that that indie-developed, indie like, weird co-op game. I think it sold 7 million copies or something. And it's not even a known property. So, yeah, seven million copies. So, again, it's not bad. They're probably making a profit on it, and that does mean good things for the future of Ninja Turtles video games. But it is just a million. Not trying to not trying to deflate this. I just just tempering hey, expectations. Hey, you're poo-pooing a little. 
<laughs> That's my job, Jeff. <sighs> I, I'd find a new one. <laughs> Don't celebrate yet. <laughs> no, it's a million is a, a landmark. It's like it is. It's definitely something that they had on a chart somewhere in an office. Maybe we can sell a million. So, yeah. good job. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't picked it up, pick up a copy. Yeah. Physicals are coming too. Uh, let's see. That'll do it for news, Jeff. Will it? Will it? Do you have something else? Uh. Well, there is one thing, and it was kind of teased on the uh, the social media uh, Ninja Turtles pages. Um. Posting that horrible DVD art for Turtles Forever, saying time That's for a rewatch or something like that, and I'm like, hmm. No, it was it, the question was where was the last time? Where were you when you watched Turtles Forever? Oh, okay. Well, see, it's been a couple of days since so I've seen that, so. Yeah. I don't know if I would say that's a tease. It might be a tease. Well, if it is, hopefully they get the correct extended cut widescreen version and not the chopped up full frame version, which was garbage. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> if they're smart, they'll they'll do the the extended cut widescreen. Like I'm, I'm sure most people don't even realize the extended cut exists. No, well, they do now. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, not first, but you, you people out there, I know. Yes, I'm talking to you. You know who you are. You it, know yeah. about this. Yeah, it exists. We will talk at length about the production of Turtles Forever because it sits in this weird, unique pocket that we'll get to. Uh, it's going to be a while before we get there, but we'll get there. And we'll yeah. talk all about this, but you're right. They might be teasing something. It might be coming to Paramount Plus. Who knows? Yeah. But right now it's radio silence, and you know th- those uh, <laughs> those people that run the uh, social media accounts of you know big companies and, and and properties, they're just there to do a job. They're there to get a, a certain number of posts in every other day. So maybe they were just they, maybe they were just filling time. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but that does it for news, Jeff. Indeed, it does, Sergio. Uh, we haven't even mentioned what we're talking about this episode. Uh, and I guess we'll let, let that pop in. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that after the break. OK, here we go. That was a that was a fresh break, huh? Yeah. I feel refreshed, Jeff. You should. You should. Let's move on to our main topic. And once again, we read a bunch of IDW comics. Indeed, we did. Uh, And I I did the math. And if we continue to go at this pace, we will never get caught up. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, because we're reading them or we're we're doing an episode on IDW more than four months apart. Yeah. Yeah. And we're only moving through the, you know, the regular series, like four books at a time. So we're actually falling behind faster than we can read them. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, I need to tweak our schedule once again. So, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's just a way to, to spread our content out longer. Yeah. Don't, like, don't look at it as we're behind. It's like we'll get to it. 
How long did it take us to talk about video games again? That's true. That's true. You know. As I said, we're not going anywhere, so we got time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So last time we got up to issue 40. Mm-hmm. So that means we are tackling issue 41. Uh, I forget what this arc is named. Uh, well, um, just from looking uh, at it, I thought it was the Attack on the Technodrome. That is correct. Attack on the Technodrome. Uh, that is that is the trade basically that we read, mm-hmm. and we're going to kick it off by a quick synopsis. Okay, book number forty-one, uh, Attack of the Technodrome, Attack on the Technodrome, Part One, uh, opens up with the Technodrome. Uh, both Stockman and the Fugitoid are working for or working for Krang. Uh, they're basically being forced to. Uh, they're having a discussion about how many people will die if the Technodrome comes online. Uh, it is being designed, or it has been designed, to terraform the planet uh, and basically end all human life and make a new planet for the for for the Utrums to live on, uh, which I believe is Utrominum. Utrominum. I don't know how to pronounce it. They're on a test, and it looks like it works uh, because uh, an area near uh, the Technodrome successfully gets terraformed cut to uh where we left the last issue off and that is donatello via metalhead uh, has met up with the shredder uh to discuss a a a temporary truce to their their blood vendetta uh in order to take care of the krang technodrome problem uh he proposes a plan that involves the shredder using his his forces to sneak into the technodrome or sneak to Burno Island and uh, just basically full on assault the uh, Krang and his, uh, his goons. He informs the shredder that he, you know, we have a a foolproof way to get there immediately uh, and there's no way to do it without your help. And if all parties work together, we can end the end Krang's threat uh, before it even starts, save the world. And then we can get back to fighting amongst ourselves. The shredder, uh, he agrees uh, reluctantly, and Donatello, as the <laughs> as metalhead, uh, turns into car form and drives off. Uh, Donatello is then in uh, Harold's lab. You can see the giant teleporter that they've been building, and it's clear they're about to test it. Uh, cut to the Mutanimals and the other three turtles, uh, Raph, Mike, and Leo. They're training uh, in what looks to be the Mutanimals' uh, lair. There's a bunch of fighting, a bunch of uh, explosions. The turtles, like, all the characters bust through a wall. On the other side is Hob and Splinter, quite uh, impressed with their training skills and their ability to work together. Leo requests a meeting uh, with Splinter on his own uh, to talk through a few things. Uh, Basically, they they don't want to talk, they they don't want the mutanimals in on this conversation. Cut to April and Casey, who... Uh, are, are pretty cozy with each other now, and uh, Casey's been doing a lot of work with April's family, uh, doing a lot. Like, he, he's, he's been very helpful around doing odd jobs and, and fixing stuff and just taking a, a load off of uh, the O'Neills. Uh, April tells her, or tells him that she's going to investigate uh, some more of the, the that, that professor that they took the book from in Secret History of the Foot Clan. I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, uh, 
and basically she's going to do some more investigating there while Casey continues to to basically work for the O'Neills, and he has basically become their security force. Uh, and he shows that as he puts his mask on to go fight creeps uh, after hours. Cut to Harold's lab, where Donatello and Harold successfully test the uh, teleportation device by Donatello making a quick trip to France to bring back a souvenir. So it works. They're able to get to Berno Island without anyone knowing. Uh, cut to the Shredder, who is talking to his goons, uh, basically tells them, here's what the plan is. We're going to work with the Turtles. However, we're going to have contingencies in place to keep them from getting the best of us. Uh, that means, uh, he tells them that Bebop and Roxetti have a special task. Uh, Bludgeon and Koya are going to come with him to Burno Island, and Karai and Hun are going to stay back uh, to guard the, the Foot headquarters. Uh, all parties understand their their responsibilities, and then we cut to back to Burno Island, where Stockman and uh, the Fugitoid are talking about what will happen to the you know, human race if this you know if, if the terraforming happens, and the, basically Stock uh, or the Fugitoid says, if we do something to stop this, I have to know that you're. You've got my back, right, Stockman? We're here to save all these lives. And Stockman, of course, trying to get as much information out of everyone, like usual, agrees and basically tells the Fugitoid, you have to tell me the plan now. If you're planning something, you need to tell me so we can do this. Uh, Krang is very, very happy because it looks like he's going to get his way. He watches as the more tests are happening in uh, the background of a shot. He is very, very happy as he says, we go live tomorrow. To be continued. So there's a lot of setup in this issue. Wouldn't you say, Jeff? Indeed. Yeah, so we are finally given, like, we were left on that cliffhanger where Donatello was speaking with, with Shredder through Metalhead. And we see in this issue what that led to. And it's kind of a genius plan. Oh, yeah. Like, bring in the Shredder's army to fight the, you know, fight Krang. And the, you know, and, and, and the Utrams and do so without disturbing the feud that he and Splinter have, you know, had forever. So it looks like it's going to work. It, lo- it, it looks it's it's a, it's a smart plan. What do you think of this issue? Absolutely fantastic. Um, the, the moment and I'm going to go ahead and call it my favorite moment, the minute that metalhead turned into a transformer. <laughs> my, I just heard it, it's like Autobots transform and roll out. It's just it's right in my head, and I heard the sound effects and everything. I was like, "This is this is great. I need this toy." So Neca, when you get to these figures, That's I need not, this. It's not gonna happen. Don't care. Hey, it's don't, not no, gonna no, no poo poo. <laughs> not taking this away from me. I need a transforming metalhead now. What I really liked about this issue and this run in like specifically is the it's like a masterclass in character usage. Oh, yeah, because they're having to service a lot of characters in this in this run because uh, b- it's it's both Shredder and Krang. It's all of Shredder's uh, goons. It's the Fugitoid. It's Baxter Stockman. It's all of the Turtles. It's the Mutanimals. It, it, they're even sneaking some Casey and April in there. Yeah, you know, like not, not a lot, but right. But we know what's going on with Casey and April. Yeah. You know, and 
there's like every single character, you know, their motivations, you know, their allegiance, you know what they're going to do, you know, what they're trying to to, to accomplish. And this book almost reads itself. It's it, it, it flows so well. The pacing is great. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's everything that I've come to expect from, you know, the run of these books that we've been um, uh, getting through. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just a beautiful mixture of, you know. You know, you know, we of course we have the Technodrome, we have Krang, we have you know, but these are and Bebop and Rocksteady in these, but they're darker versions. It's like you know, let's mix the Mirage comics with the '80s cartoon, and I love that because Krang is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, as he should be from a what seven, eight foot tall giant, you know, mechanized body. You know, it that's exactly how he should be intimidating instead of just like, eh, it's OK, you know, <laughs> and and I like that they actually explain what the Technodrome does. Yeah, because in the cartoon, it was the Technodrome was this menacing vehicle that's supposed to do something, but it was his, his toy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was done to for it to be a toy, but like they never explicitly said the Technodrome terraforms Earth. Or the Technodrome can destroy a city in X number of days. Like it, it was just yeah. this the thing. Here, okay. it's very specific, and it's which very it, scary. Which yeah makes it more terrifying. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. stakes could not be higher. Uh, I I really like Corey Smith's art. Oh yeah, it was beautiful throughout. Yeah, like like it's like it's not Mateus Santaloco. Yeah, but it. You can tell it's you can tell it's Corey Smith, but it's not so far away from what you'd expect, what you've grown to expect in the IDW comics that it looks weird. Yeah. You know, it's like this is a new guy, but it's close enough. So let's I'm down to, you know, down to clown. Yeah. So I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Let's go to issue 42. We kick it off with the Mutanimals preparing for uh, their storming of Shredder's compound. The Turtles uh, come in to inform Hob that, hey, we're not going to be joining you. Splinter's going to, but we're not. Uh, Ob's understandably upset. However, they've got their own plans, and Splinter assures him that the job will still be done. Uh, at, at this point, we don't know how Splinter was convinced to to do this but we'll get there we cut to Burno island where stockman and the fugitoid are now talking to krang and they inform krang that hey the, the shredder's gonna be here and he's gonna try to kill you and it did not take long for stockman to turn on the fugitoid and basically rat out that it was the turtles that turned uh shredder onto the idea of attacking Krang, and Krang then tries to take it out on the Fugitoid, but Baxter Stockman stops him, and uh, then asks, asks for sanctuary from Krang, uh, you know, because of course his terraforming is going to uh, destroy the entire world. Krang agrees, but then immediately locks them both up and, and basically says, pray I don't alter it further, oh, the, the deal that is. So it's a lot of changing of allegiance back and forth very quickly, which is something you can expect out of Baxter Stockman. The Turtles uh, make their, have made their way to Harold's uh, lab, uh, and they're preparing to teleport to Burno Island. 
the three turtles say their goodbyes, and they jump through the portal first. Then, immediately, the Shredder and his entire army show up, uh, prepared to go through the portal. Donatello is not going to join them because he has to stay, stay back and make sure all the technical stuff works, which includes the actual portal uh, and you know everything him and Harold have been work, has been working on. Uh, Shredder and his and his uh, his army they go to go through the portal. However, he informs Donatello that Bebop and Rocksteady are going to stay behind as a contingency plan just in case you try to screw us. Uh, which is a very scary moment of the comic. You can see in Donnie's face that uh, if things go sideways, he could be in a lot of trouble. So all the characters go through uh, the portal. We then cut to April, who is approaching uh, Professor Miller, uh, and through their conversation, he regrets you know, working with the, sh- the, the Shredder and that he does agree to help April straighten some things out. They're not very clear as to what it's going to be, but... He's back in the fold. Uh, the Mutanimals are prepared to uh, attack Shredder's uh, compound, actually right outside of it, and they then cut to earlier where the Turtles are explaining to Splinter what exactly the plan is. Uh, Splinter is shocked that they put together a plan behind his back, but at the same time very impressed that they were able to do so. A plan that he believes is going to work, so he gives it his blessing and understands uh, how he's been kind of irrational uh, you know, in, in, in the past few months. Uh, and at, at, at that point, they, they don't say their goodbyes, but they talk through it. They're all on the same page. Cut to Shredder on Burno Island, about to attack the Technodrome, only to find that Krang and his army is right there on the battlefield, and it's full-out, all-out war on Burno Island for basically the fate of the Earth. Uh, we see an epic little fight scene, and then we cut to be continued, because you definitely don't want to show the whole fight scene this issue, right? If we remember back to previous issues... There was a lot of contention in the Turtles camp over who we should attack first. Like, are we attacking Krang or are we attacking Shredder? Uh, And Donatello was very much, we need to save the world, Dad. Right? Yeah. And the other Turtles weren't weren't as uh, committal to that plan. But it seems like between the previous issues and now they've kind of gotten on the same page. And I believe that this plan is what got them to that page. Yeah. You know, this is a two birds, one stone situation and splinter not only is able to, to do some self reflection and say, you know what? The planet is probably more important than my blood feud. And look at how smart my children are at coming up with this insane plan to knock all of this out at once. Yeah. So, so, so it's coming from a, from a, a point of respect and also a little bit of embarrassment. Like he's like, what, what was I thinking? But I'm glad you guys were more level headed than me, which is a fantastic trait in a father and a leader. Oh, definitely. This was so refreshing to see too. Yeah. Yeah. So what about this issue stood out to you? Definitely that moment. Like, it's always usually like it's, you know, it's it's my way or or nothing. Mm-hmm. But for them to, for Splinter to realize that he was making a mistake 
and his sons were right. I mean, that you know, it's an incredible character development moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's it's so refreshing to see, you know, because I didn't know, you know, b- before that we had read, you know, because there was like tension and all this. Stuff, so I'm like, man, this, this is it's getting intense. I'm like, what's where is it going? And all of a sudden, we get to this issue, and you have this just calm, reflective, like family moment, which yep. just brings it all back around to why I love this freaking series. <laughs> it's it's so much. Quite literally the calm before the storm. Yeah. 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 It's about um, to go off. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think is great is they haven't really given us the details as to what Hob is up to. Like Hob wants to attack the Shredder's, you know, compound, but he they they have not said why. Yeah. Uh which is very deliberate, you know, because mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess what we're supposed to assume is that, you know, they're going to destroy something or they're going to kill somebody or, you know, they're going to cripple his uh his supply chain. Who knows? But we'll get to that in, you know, future issues. Yeah. This like the contrast of Splinter and Krang in this issue is quite uh quite great. Like Splinter is very self-reflective, very. Uh, humble in his approach to his sons, right? Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, Krang is the exact opposite. Yeah, Krang is arrogant. Krang thinks no one can can, can trick him, and at that exact moment, he is full on being played, and he has oh. no clue. No, none whatsoever. So it, it, I don't know if it was on purpose, but for both of those things to be in the same issue is like awesome. It's it's. It is fantastic storytelling. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Like th- this, this run is one of my favorite runs. I say that almost every time, but no, this is actually, it's, it's, it's one of the most significant story wise. So it's, it's great. Do you have any nuggets you want to, you want to pinpoint? Uh, not really. Um, let me look through here real quick. Uh, it was really interesting to see that Mondo Gecko skateboard also doubles as a gun. <laughs> that's right. It's <laughs> pretty cool. I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's deadly in so many ways. I'm like, yeah. but wait, that raises so many safety concerns. If you're, if you're shredding, uh, and you hit the wrong rail, boom, you know, cause there's gunpowder. <laughs> I'm sure there's a safety. I, <sighs> I mean, you hit a spark on a rail, you know, just I'm just saying <laughs> like that's not how guns work. Like eh. you, you can't just accidentally. there's wood in that skateboard. Like you can't just accidentally rub a bullet and it just blow up in your face. Like it, it takes yeah, a little you're bit also more not going to take a, a gun to grind on rails. Yeah. I'm sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if, uh, uh, don't don't try that kids don't don't go get don't go get shotguns and go like hey i can go to the skate park start grinding on rails with a no it's no <laughs> it's a the new tiktok trend no no <laughs> uh i don't know if i have anything else on this issue um you mentioned the mutanimals. We're going to talk ex- at length about the mutanimals in a bit. 
All right, let's move on to issue 43. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start off in the middle of a battle. Uh, the turtles are not fighting, but they are looking for the fugitoid who they were supposed to meet on Burno Island when they teleported, and he's nowhere to be found. We know that he's locked up. Shredder and Krang are going at it. Uh, all of their uh, goons are fighting each other. Shredder and Krang are going head-to-head, and very quickly, Krang gets the best of Shredder. Uh, we see Koya, we see Bludgeon. Uh, they're both taking out numerous uh, Krang... Uh, Krang soldiers. It's just all out bedlam on Burno Island. Uh, but the, the most surprising and most significant thing here is that the Krang is beating the crap out of Shredder. We cut to uh, both uh, the Fugitoid and Baxter who are in, uh, who are in a prison cell. You know, they're still talking about, uh, to each other about the trail and you know mutual destruction and and who's going to die if if the shredder or if the crane gets his way. Uh, the fugitoid finally has enough with this conversation, turns himself into Chet because of course he can shape shapeshift and convinces the guards to open the door. Seeing that the fugitoid may escape, Stockman pulls out you know like like an emergency you know break glass if necessary situation and sends a bunch of miniature Mausers in the room uh, through an air vent uh, that are able to shoot electricity. So he's able to very quickly take control of the situation that way. Cut to Karai and Hun, who are... Hun is very upset that he's being left out of the fight, only to find that the fight has come to him. Uh, The Nutanimals are now there with Splinter uh, to... Storm the Foot Clan headquarters, still with really no stated agenda here. Uh, a big fight breaks out. Slash is just punching the crap out of everybody. Uh, Hobbs straight up has a gun. It's it, they really kind of caught Karai and Hun on you know on their heels. Uh, Mondo Gecko felt like he had the ability to take on Karai head-to-head, and that very quickly was shut down. Luckily, Splinter was there to save him, and that started a Splinter-Karai fight, which is very impressive, with a lot of um, rhetoric coming from Master Splinter, basically saying, Karai, you are not the Foot Clan. The Foot Clan is not evil, just the Shredder. Uh, You know, you are not lost, blah, 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 trying to turn her. We finally find out what the mutanimals are there for, and that is the mutagen. Uh, the, 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 the rest of the mutagen that the Foot Clan has, Hobbs steals it, and he tells his mutanimals, all right, we got what we came for, let's go, and they just leave. Uh, they, they abandon uh, Splinter in the Foot Headquarters. Uh, Slash is very uh, concerned that they did that, but Hobbs is like, well, they changed the plan, so I guess we get to do it too. The turtles uh, have been found, and uh, they are uh, they have to you know jump into the fight in the Technodrome, uh, and they very quickly come come upon the escaped Baxter, Baxter Stockman, and he sends a a seemingly infinite number of flyborgs to fight them. Krang has to stop beating the the, the Shredder senseless because he found that he found out that the, the things at the Technodrome are not kosher. He needs to go back and, and make sure that his plan is still being uh, executed, uh, leaving his soldiers on the battlefield. He heads back, sees Baxter Stockman trying to take o- take over the situation, knocks him out, 
and hits the computer. Uh, Baxter had installed malware to try to reroute power, you know, just a bunch of sci-fi mumbo-jumbo, and uh, Krang was just very very condescending in saying, you think you could you could beat me with that? And it, it does is really effective, like, Stockman, you may be smart, but I'm an alien with alien technology. I'm way smarter than you. Uh, we get to the end where Krang is taking more control, getting back to control of the Technodrome, getting ready to launch his his terraforming project. Uh, the on the battlefield, Shredder is defeated. He is down. He's on the ground. Both Koya and Bludgeon are having to protect him, and Shredder then gives word to Bebop and Rocksteady, knowing that he's been foiled. Uh, he tells them to kill Donatello. So the battle is the rubbers met, met the road, Jeff, the battle is on the, the plan is in place. Everything is working as it's supposed to, for the most part, there's a few hiccups here and there. I only see one kind of glaring plot hole. Okay. Donatello knows that Bebop and Rocksteady are there to kill him. If anything goes sideways, right? Donatello also knows that his father and the mutanimals are going to attack Shredder's compound. Yeah. Why would Donatello let that be a thing if he knows Bebop and Rocksteady are there to kill him? Because as soon as Shredder gets word that his compound is being attacked, he's going to assume it's the turtles and he's going to order Donnie's execution. I don't know. That's that's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't it didn't hit me when I was reading the book, but reading over the synopsis, it like it just occurred to me like it's a smart plan, but the only thing that makes this not work is Hob wanting that mutagen. Yeah. And thinking that it needs to happen at the same time that the Shredders, you know, fighting with Krang. I, I guess the assumption is is that Shredder would be defeated by now. Mm-hmm. And that it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But that's a huge assumption. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? This was a big issue. Man, like that the fight with with uh, Shredder and Krang was was intense. I mean, again, you know, he's not a pushover, and I love that. I'm more terrified of him than I am Shredder. You know, <laughs> Shredder's Shredder's formidable, but man, freaking. Krang, dude. Um, it was nice seeing Chet again. It was interesting that he could just change uh, the future story could just change at will. Yep. Um, back. Um, well, they had established that, and and actually, that's that's a callback to like volume four of the comics. Like yeah. he was able to ch- shapeshift in in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That first image of the Mutanimals breaking through uh, Foot Headquarters is just chef kiss. Just beautiful. <laughs> Old Hob looking like Snake Plissken. You know. Um, He's like equal parts Snake Plissken and like Nick Fury. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hob is such a good character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um watching slash go after Hun, that was just a glimpse at, you know, what the future holds for slash. 
like we we get back to that that just pure rage and i'm just like oh, just it was so so cool to see yeah um because like hun just has this like what appears to be just unlimitless strength like the, your typical you know little guy versus big guy you punch him in the face and he just you know shrugs it off yeah yeah hun has that that irrational confidence that gives him more power than he actually has yeah yeah and i th- i really like the treatment of uh mondo gecko yeah. and uh karai like just the idea that mondo would be able to do anything to karai is an absolute joke yeah and they very quickly showed that to be true <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I really appreciated the realism in that moment it was a very nice touch. Um, yeah, like th- this, this, this is just nonstop action. So I knew this book would be all like, like, all about some, some, some Jeff. Like I knew you would love this one. Oh yeah, and the freaking flyborgs are back. Those things creep me out, dude. <laughs> uh, the very last panel, the, the the panel with the ominous like over the shoulder, bebop and rocksteady shot. And yeah. The the only text in the panel is "kill the turtle." Yeah, and the look on Harold's face, the look on Don, Donnie's face, like th- that is a perfect cliffhanger for the next issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Uh, what nuggets do you have? Uh, do I have any nuggets? Mm, I didn't really find any nuggets. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, yeah, it's I miss. Yeah, they're not really hiding much in these. It's it's just everything is very much let's get to the point. Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, I mean, it's not nuggets, but I did like seeing um, when when Chet was trying to escape the cell uh, that he was in with Baxter. Of course, Baxter has a backup plan, and he called forth all the tiny mousers to come out of the air vent. I really liked that. That was really cool. <laughs> In, on the very next page, the like Hun just sitting down, being the person who's like, "What do you mean we don't get to fight?" Like that is absolutely that character. Yeah, it worked wonderfully. Uh, all right, well then let's move to the dramatic finale of this four four book um, run. And dr- dramatic is an understatement. This is going to be book forty four, Attack on Technodrome Part Four. We pick up right where we left off. Uh, the turtles are fighting flyborgs, and Krang is rerouting power to get the Technodrome up and running. Professor Honeycutt is trying to figure out a way to stop all of this. Uh, Stockman sees that he has no place in this battle and grabs a flyborg and literally flies off to safety. In true Stockman fashion. Uh, the turtles are left to fight all of the, 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 the leftover tiny... Mausers uh, and uh, whatever flyborgs remain, uh, very quickly they turn their attention directly to Krang, and a all-out battle happens right there. Cut to Donnie, who is now being attacked from both sides by both Bebop and Rocksteady, who have been given the orders to kill him. Uh, very quickly, Harold sees that he's in danger and takes control of Metalhead and tries to uh, assist. Metalhead very quickly gets uh, 
I'm not going to say terminated, but he gets incapacitated and is just left there to watch uh, what happens next. What happens next uh, What is basically three to four pages worth of pure violence uh, where Donnie is just being beaten to within an inch of his life. Uh, both Bebop and Rocksteady are relentless uh, in, in, in their beating. They hit him with a sledgehammer. They hit him with computer parts. They throw a computer monitor at him. There's actually blood. There, there's a lot of uh, comic book sounds like fits and crash and that kind of stuff. It's probably the most violent this book has ever gotten. Uh, cut back to the other turtles who were fighting Krang. Uh, at this point, they're fighting Krang to allow the Fugitoid long enough to turn off the terraforming that is about to happen. Uh, the fight is pretty intense. Uh, the turtles are very back and forth. It's three on one, so with, with how formidable Krang is, it's kind of a, a close fight. Uh, Splinter, who has been abandoned by the Mutanimals, uh, has, is cornered by Karai and some of her foot ninjas. But very quickly, he is saved by none other than Nobody and Alopex. Uh, Splinter tries to reason with Karai. Karai throws down a smoke bomb, disappears, uh, and that fight is complete. Shredder is outside of the the Technodrome. Uh, The Technodrome's terraforming has begun. And all of the humans who are uh, on the ground there are kind of screwed uh, a lot of them are fleeing back to the Technodrome where the, the, the environment is stable and able to, you know, house human, human beings. Shredder is going to die if he isn't, if he isn't removed from the situation immediately. Koya and Bludgeon immediately go into, we have to save our, you know, our master uh, mode. Uh, they don't successfully do that. Both of them are kind of left there to die. Uh, Shredder is surprisingly saved by a Flyborg. Uh, he's picked up and brought to a boat that is being piloted by the one and only Baxter Stockman. So he's he obviously has some sort of scheme he's working on. Uh, the Turtles are still fighting Krang. They finally incapacitate his Krang bot, and the Fugitoid is able to turn off the terraforming. Victory, the Turtles, and the Fugitoid win. Uh, very quickly, they are tr- teleported back to Harold's uh, laboratory, and the and Krang is actually teleported away from there as well. The Fugitoid decides that Krang has to pay for his actions, and he teleports him back to Neutrino, where we see Zack uh, and the other Neutrinos there awaiting his arrival to put him on trial for these crimes. Uh, cut back to the Turtles, who are popping through the, the, the teleporter thinking, Hey, we did it! The plan worked! Hey, we kicked butt! Blah, 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 blah. Only to find Donatello has succumbed to his injuries and lays on the floor, uh, presumably dead, uh, with his head in Splinter's lap. Uh, so victory is had, but there was, it, it was at a cost, and, and that will be the driving point for the next set of books. Donatello has died. So there's that. Yeah. They killed Donnie. And when they when that happened, like... It made national news. I remember seeing it on the news and I was like, nope, to (laughs) hell with that. I'm like, how? No, (laughs) no. Like, I've I've told you this before. I love it when characters die. Like, 
and that that just proves that there's actual like weight to the decisions and actions of the characters. This is this is quite a book. This was and, a very big deal. Yeah, yeah. This this is this is a very big deal. It like this book had to be reprinted like two or three times because it kept selling out. Uh, you, the, the first printings of this book are still, uh, more, much more expensive than, you know, the, the books around it because it is considered Donnie's death. And it was a surprise. Like, yeah, we didn't know this happened until the book was out. Right. Um, let's talk about the rest of the issue though, because it's it, more than just Donnie dying happened. Uh, I love how the fugitoid handled the like the Utrams and the Krang situation here. Yeah. Because Krang's whole thing was he's going to create a new home planet for his people. Right? Mm-hmm. And because Utrominum, or whatever it's called, is gone. Like, they have nowhere to live. But they're still beings. They still deserve a place to live. And through the actions of this book, they created a place to live. But Krang, having committed the crimes to do that, is teleported to Neutrino, which is fantastic. I love when we see Planet Neutrino. Yeah, me too. And so so seeing that he's going to face consequences to these actions and his people are going to have a place to live is like it's so bittersweet, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's the story really threaded a needle there that I feel like they've been working on for a very long time. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Man, I, you know, I had, I had forgotten about the whole Donnie death deal. And then when we got to it, I was like, Oh snap. (laughs) Oh, that's what this is. (laughs) You know? And it just, again, you take goofy characters and you make them what they were supposed to be, just brutes. They're still stupid, but they're brutes, and they're the muscle. And that's what I absolutely love about it. And just that whole, you know, fight between Bebop and Rocksteady and Donnie, it's just like, it shows you how unfair an advantage they have over Donnie. Yeah, yeah, because in most cases... When you see uh, Bebop and Rocksteady fight the turtles, they're fighting all of the turtles. Yeah. You know, and, and, and all of the turtles are able to get the best of them because they're stupid. Mm-hmm. But the, the way Bebop and Rocksteady were treated in this book is this is like perfect Bebop and Rocksteady for me. Yeah. You know, they, they're just relentless. They no mer- like. They have no mercy because they've been told to have no mercy, but they also are like they don't their personalities don't they don't have the capacity for empathy or feeling bad for just murdering this this turtle. They're just like, okay, whatever, move it on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic scene and and it wasn't just, oh, we broke his shell, whatever. No, they they dedicated a significant portion of this book to just straight up violence. Yeah. Yeah. It's all <laughs> up in here. Yeah. 
you know, I, I was reading it on the page, you know, in the synopsis. And I was like, oh, yeah, this he just got the crap kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. And the, the the panel at the bottom of I, I think it's page 10 where Bebop and Rocksteady are walking out of the, the lab. And you see Metalhead broken with the, the bubble above his head that says no. And then yeah. Donnie's bloody hand in the foreground. Yeah, that that also hurt a lot too yeah like that 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 panel has so much power in it it's so much so that later printings of the book had that as the cover oh wow yeah like like once once the the spoiler was out there that donatello dies idw was like screw it let's put it on the cover yeah and it works like that is such a such a good panel Mm mm-hmm uh, along with the very last one, uh, with all of the loved ones standing around, you know, the bleeding Donatello. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so much emotion in that page, that that one giant splash page. It's hard to look at even now. Yeah, it's 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 rough, man. It's real rough. Yeah. Uh, but it's like it's the logical conclusion of the story they were telling. You know, I, I feel like if they told it any other way, it would be a cop out. Yeah, it's like, oh, how is Donnie gonna get out of this? Oh, he did this and pressed a button and blah blah. No, like, actions have consequences, and Donatello did something risky and suffered the consequence. So, so we don't see that enough in media. We don't see it in TV shows. We don't see it in movies. Everyone is just able to 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 outwit the bad guy or outfight the bad guy or or you know pull pull the the rug out from underneath somebody and oh i survived all of the odds no people die sometimes and that is what happened here and as sad as it is it's wonderful yeah and now this type of stuff does happen a lot in like japanese media like you know in their films their anime you know live action stuff um so like you know there are there have been series and stuff where you know one of the main heroes does end up dying um you know, for noble causes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but not so much in as much in our American stuff. It, it really depends on what it is, but yeah, it just doesn't happen enough. Right. Right. And it, a lot of it is just fear of, you know, changing a show or a t- or a movie so much that, it, you know, you lose your audience in, in this case, there's a lot of turtles. You lose one of them for a while and yeah, that's, you know, it's a big deal, but you have, there's plenty of characters to work with here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, what are your final thoughts on 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 this 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 four issue run? Oh man, what 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 a shell of a ride! This again, you know, I always look forward to getting back into reading these books. Um, and uh, with this issue, it was nice to see Angel again. Yep. And Alapex, even though they didn't get a whole lot of uh panel time. Um. They didn't. They didn't. But that scene was really important yeah. to the future of Splinter's character. Obviously, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a lot of foreshadowing that it's kind of hard to see yeah. without knowing where the story goes. Mm. But it's a tremendously important set of pages there. Yeah. Yeah. This was just, you know, you know, I didn't. Again, going into this 
fresh, you know, because I hadn't I didn't keep up with it when it came out. And I was like, oh, well, I just don't want to get into, new, you know, a new set of books. And I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, make room for all that stuff. But, you know, it's what the trades are for us, what, you know, all that other stuff is. Um, but it again, I, I'm going to say this again, like this is this has got to be my most favorite uh, run of Turtles books. Yeah, this was this is just a fantastic read. And if you if you all haven't read any of these yet, do it. uh the only final thoughts i have and it's it's gonna be a weird final thought but i'm gonna say it anyway i expect this from you Uh, let's let's like put our hands together for nickelodeon right they get a lot of flack because it's perceived that nickelodeon is basically the puppet master keeping certain versions of the turtles from being serious that's kind of the, the the overarching assumption. Oh, well, you can't do that. Nickelodeon's not going to let you. You can't do that. Nickelodeon would never approve that. Well, I, I think otherwise. Look what they approved here. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they approved the murder of a Ninja Turtle. So this is almost like the, the, the precursor to something like The Last Ronin. You know, you, you see this this story work. And not only does it work, it gets national attention and the turtles are kind of important in the comic space again. Yeah. Because of a very adult themed arc that you, that you have that kind of paves the way for more adult themed arcs and boom, what four or five years later you have the last Ronin, which is a huge success. So, so we're paving the way we're, we're getting there, man. And yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Nickelodeon approving this kind of stuff proves that there there's an interest there yeah so po- slow clap for nickelodeon slow, slow, slow clap. clap uh where does the story go from here we're not gonna find out today because we only read four of four of that run uh mm-hmm. what we also read was the companion book because there's always like a companion book that's running alongside the the ongoing and this time the companion book was is a mutanimals book we haven't seen a mutanimals book since the archie days correct yeah uh and and this was uh, approved as a as a four issue miniseries and it stars the mutanimals uh in their current form which of course is hob uh, old hob and his crew uh the same crew that we just saw fight in in this battle this mutanimal story runs it, or happens chronologically following that. Now they were released kind of in tandem, you know, but when we look at this chronologically, it's, it definitely fits after this because Hob has the mutagen from the lab or, or from the, you know, Shredder's headquarters. Okay, here we go. Lindsay and Pete are on a supply run uh, when they get kidnapped by some dude wearing a hat. They th- he, they're thrown into the back of a car uh, with a few goons from uh, we don't know yet, uh, but we will find out very soon. There's a Nick Fury-looking dude, uh, but both of them just get kidnapped. Uh, back at the Mutanimals headquarters, they're kind of wondering where everyone is, wh- where both of them went. Uh, at the, and when we say the Mutanimals headquarters, we're talking uh, Slash, Mondo, Hob, and uh, Herman, the Hermit Crab. Hob reveals that Pigeon Pete has a tracking device on him, uh, 
which immediately prompts Mondo to be like, are you tracking all of us? Hobbs like, of course not. Don't be paranoid, which tells me he absolutely is. Uh, back with the, the kidnappies, they are dropped off uh, at what looks to be a lab uh, where Lindsay meets Jillian. Uh, she is in a lab coat, and uh, we find out that that is Lindsay's ex-girlfriend uh, and ex-co-worker. We find out very quickly that Jillian and Lindsay had a very contentious relationship where Jillian was uh, hiding a lot of stuff from her, lying a lot, and we also find out that she's working with mutants and mutagen, and uh, she wants Lindsay to come work with her. Uh, kidnapping her was not probably the best way to do that, but that's what happened. Pete, who was kidnapped accidentally, basically, uh, was is thrown back into the van and was promised to be returned to where he came from. That is where Hob and the Mutanimals catch up with Pete, because, of course, the tracking device. Uh, and they end up getting Pete to jump out of the back of the, the van to try to jump to the Mutanimals' uh, trailing vehicle, only to kind of lose him on the side of the road. More importantly, Hob wants to know who kidnapped his people and why. So he runs the the van off the road and proceeds to interrogate the Nick Fury-looking guy. The Nick Fury-looking guy tells him where to find them and turns very quickly on his employers. Uh, the Mutanimals then get back in the van and drive to where Lindsay and, Lindsay and Jillian are uh, to basically attack and figure out what's going on. Very quickly, Hobb realizes, wait, this is a lab where they test on mutants, which, of course, his whole mission is to shut these kinds of places down. So he immediately starts tearing the place up uh, and tells his mutanimals to follow suit. We then meet who exactly uh, they're working for, and that is Null Industries. We don't really learn much about what that means, but we'll get to that. The mutanimals are looking for mutants who may be imprisoned in this facility, and they come across a mutant named Mutagen Man, uh, and it's just a, a mutant that is... He has so many different spliced DNAs into him that he's just a big brain and nervous system in a tank of some sort of juice, some sort of water, uh, and he is suffering so bad that he thinks the Mutanimals are there to kill him and put him out of his misery. Uh, they do not, and they take him and put him in the back of the van and escape with him. That is where the first issue ends. Okay, so Null. We have Null. We do. Well, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Well, we don't fully see that till later. Right. Like, Null, of course, was from the original uh, Archie books, so it's cool to see Null back. I'm going to go ahead and interject real quick and say, see TMNT Adventures issue 15. There you go. Oh, look yeah. at you. Yeah. But there's a little bit of a difference uh, between that version and this uh, new version. And we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of nothing happens this book. Like Lindsay and, and Pete get kidnapped. And then there's just a lot of it seems like filler until the you know, like the reveal at the end with Mutagen Man. You know, a lot of back and forth between Jillian and Lindsay, you know, a lot of pseudo explaining what Null is up to. 
basically digging a hole that I don't know these if this if this series is capable of getting out of. Yeah. Like we understand that the mutanimals are a group, right? We understand that they they have a they have a place to live and and Hob is the leader, but we don't understand how they operate. Yeah. Like and I I know that Hob was real tight with the local gangs in New York. Like, is that where they're getting their funding? I, I, maybe he's doing like funny cat videos on YouTube. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 very unclear. It, it's it's all just kind of brushed off as this is a comic book. You shouldn't be asking for details. But it, the more they talk about this kind of stuff, the bigger the holes seem. No, like you're completely valid in asking that question. Like. I'm immediately reminded of there's a, a you, you remember the the 90s sci-fi show Sliders. Yep. When they would go to different parallel earths, where did they get their freaking money? Yeah, I digress. But yes, you're you're completely justified in asking well, where are the funds coming from. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 one of those things you pay a little too much attention and it completely crumbles beneath its the, the weight of its own plot holes. Don't 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 look behind the curtain. There's nothing. There's nothing behind the curtain. That's 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 the uh, that's the trick. There's nothing behind the curtain. Yeah. Suspension of disbelief, people. Right. I I don't know if I like this this run at all. Which is sad. It's it's fine. The art is bad. That's not horrible, but you know. It's they they brought Andy Kuhn back. Yeah. Kuhn, it's K-U-H-N. I don't know if we ever landed on a pronunciation for that. Kuhn, Yeah, and I've never liked his art. He, when he was on the the uh, the ongoing, I didn't like it. I don't like it here. You know, he uh, he was the original artist who was supposed to do The Last Ronin. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad they made that change. Yeah. Um, again, it's not super terrible art. It's just not... On the level of who they got for Last Ronin. Yeah. I I do like the inclusion of Mutagen Man. Yeah. I, I like that he is... He's not su- suicidal, but he's like, just kill me. This is miserable. Yeah. Please just kill me. Kill me? Will you kill me? Like, he, he, he very much does not want to live. And we'll see some more of Mutagen Man in the upcoming issues. Uh the the only other real fun thing here was Pigeon Pete. He was he was charming the entire uh, issue. Yeah, talking about different types of uh, flavor cola. Yeah, and him realizing he can't fly is real funny to me. Yeah. Uh, you got any nuggets for this one? Um, no, didn't really find any nuggets. Um, it's getting harder to find them nuggets in these. I mean, the guys <laughs> that kidnapped uh the what was it? Lindsay? Yeah. Uh, one of them looked like freaking Nick Fury. But that, you know, that 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 tracks with a ponytail. Um, there was a scene where, you know, we do get some character develop, uh, some, a, a substantial amount of character development through for these characters throughout this this little run. Um. The the panels that hit me the hardest was when Old Hob was 
was back in uh, when they broke into the lab and you he just immediately flashed back to being tortured and I was just like whoa that hit hard oh yeah like yeah. at first you're like I don't like old Hob, but then like he's kind of like that anti-hero um and it's you know he's, he's kind of starting to grow on you you know yeah he, he's very much playing the role of magneto yeah yeah and 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 when you're telling the story you kind of need that point of view so yeah i dig him i dig him a lot uh let's jump to issue two issue two opens with herman and uh mondo kind of recapping how the first issue went uh them freeing mutagen man and whatnot and the next page is jillian and Lindsay talking to null uh, the actual ceo of the null industries and she is a red woman uh, with horns, which is distinctly different from the Null that we saw in the Archie comics, but we'll get to that. Null is explaining what they do there, that they're a multidimensional com- company, that they need Lindsay to help with the mutagen research and whatnot, so-and-so. Uh, Lindsay is noncommittal, but Jillian really wants her to work with them, and Null is trying to basically flex her muscle to show, we're way bigger than you, you little scientist girl. Hob and Slash, they are casing the Null Industries to see if there's a way for them to get back in. Uh, Mutagen Man, uh, who is trying to get get his bearings and and, and see what life on the outside is like, uh, strikes up a friendship or a conversation with Mondo, and they are trying to to, uh, figure out what normal life is. Uh, Apparently Mutagen Man has never had fun before. He doesn't understand the concept. He doesn't have a real name, and Mondo's trying to get him to play a video game, and they decide that his name should be Seymour. Seymour Guts. And for the first time in Mutagen Man's life, he laughs, which is is something that, that Mondo was able to give him. We find out that Hob and Slash have a prisoner who's a scientist uh, who works for Null, and they're able to extract some more information from him that... There are two more mutants that are held captive. Uh, the Their interrogation methods are kind of good cop, bad cop, but Hob takes it a bit too far, pulling a gun on the guy, and Slash is just not okay with that type of intimidation. So there, there's, there's a bit of a, a rift growing there. Hob and Slash gather the team, say that, hey, we're going to, to, to attack Null, get these, these uh, mutants out, uh, offers to let Seymour stay, stay back, Instead, Seymour's like, no, I'm part of the team. I need to go. They find out that the mutants they're trying to save uh, are on a train, and so they storm the rail yard to try to free these mutants. Uh, They end up meeting Null herself and finding out that she's kind of invincible because Hob puts some bullets in her chest and she just gets up like nothing happened. An all-out fight breaks out, and all parties involved... uh, you know, an all-out fight breaks out, and a majority of the mutant animals are actually captured. We cut to the two mutants that are captured uh, before, and their names are Sally Pride and Ray Filet, or not Ray Filet, Man Ray. Man Ray being, of course, a mutant stingray, and Sally being a mutant lion. They're in cages and not able to get out, and they see that more mutants have been captured and are being thrown in cages. The only two mutanimals who made it out of the fight alive and not captured uh, are Mondo and Slash. 
they immediately start to plan, what are we going to do to free our buddies? And that's where it ends. So, again, this is... I feel like they relied on the characters being captured a few, like one too many times in this, in, in this series. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Herman, the hermit crab. <laughs> His character doesn't make any sense to me. No to... sense whatsoever. Like he has a dumpster as his shell. I mean, you know, sh- a shellless hermit crabs do get other objects as their, uh, you know, shells, which is interesting. Okay. Okay. Think about the impracticalities of that. Hey man, you got, you you need a home. You get, you do whatever you can to get a house. He's literally in like the living area of the mutanimals in his dumpster. Think about it this way. If someone shows up to your house wearing a dumpster, where are they going to sit? Out the hell side. <laughs> yeah, like it's completely impractical. It doesn't make any sense. Like he's cute, but his his character is complete nonsense. Suspension of disbelief. Right. Yeah. Like, just just look the other way. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we learn we, we find out Null is a girl. Yeah, that's an interesting it's definitely an interesting twist. Well, not even a twist. It's like, it's, you know, I was like, well, I get why they did it. Like, why would you just do the same one that we've already had? Make it different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's not a, there's, there's not any female villains in this, uh, like series at all. I mean, apart from Karai. Uh, that's arguable, but, but yeah, like this is a, a brand new faction. Like if you, if you if we're breaking these up into factions, you have Krang, you have Shredder, you have the Purple Dragons. This is a brand new faction of of villains led by a woman. Yeah, that we're assuming is a woman. She could be an alien. We don't know what's going on with her. Right. Uh, she's bulletproof. She's red. She has horns. And if you remember, like Null in the Archie comic went through a few iterations. Like he was just a dude then he was a dude who grew horns then he was a dude who grew uh, who had uh wings and a tail like a dragon like he like it was pretty wild i hope yeah. they go that direction with with this null but that that is the primary antagonist of, of this series what do you think of the, this second book probably i mean i I've, I've been enjoying this whole run but yeah, like you know, mutants getting captured, and you know they're kind of relying on that a little too much. But um, probably my favorite moment is between Mutagen Man and Mondo. It's like, hey, just play some video games. Like I don't, I was like, okay, I don't even know what that is, and or you know what's going on. And he gives them his name, and that was just great. That's a just a nice, just kind of a touching moment with. For for Seymour, who has been through literally just hell. Yeah. Um, so I really like those little character moments um, in here. And also, too, uh, between Hob and Slash, like, you know, hey, we're heroes. We don't we don't kill. You know, we don't do this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head with. The, the best scene of this book is the one with Mondo and 
and a mutagen man. Like him revealing that he doesn't understand the concept of fun. Yeah. That completely contextualizes exactly how tragic this guy's existence is. Yeah. So, so yeah, bingo. That's, that is why this book should exist. The rest of all the stuff around it is filler at best in my mind. I mean, it like I'm called back to the, uh, the 2012 cartoon where pulverizer gets turned into mutagen man. And like, he's just, it's just, it's one of the saddest and most depressing moments in that show. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And, and this, this very much, uh, kind of mirrors that, you know, this, this, this dude is just screwed. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Sally and, uh, what's his name? Uh, man Ray. Yeah. I, I thought Sally was a cougar. I didn't know she was a lion. Yeah. It's not a complaint. I just didn't know. Um, right. I love that Man Ray's here now. Um, Me too. It's definitely more of a realistic-esque type take mm-hmm. on the designs. So at first I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> my first look was like, why is Hellboy here? <laughs> like Sally, for, for some reason, when when you say Sally Pride's name, obviously it's a take on Sally Ride, the the uh, the astronaut. Yeah. But for some reason, the only thing that comes to mind is the Sally that was in the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. Yeah. Yeah, in the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I don't remember that Sally's last name, but I want to say it was something like that. That's pretty much all I have for this one. Yeah. Okay. Then let's move on to, what is it, issue three? Book three starts with Mondo and Slash uh, putting together a plan to save the rest of the Mutanimals. Uh, it cuts to the Mutanimals in the, the, like the prison train car that, they've, that they're in, and it shows Hob meeting the other two mutants that are captured. The following scene is a very quick... Slash and Mondo jump from their car to the train and quickly take care of the guards. Um, Not a lot actually happens here, except that we learn Slash has a Hulk setting. Uh, If for some reason he's triggered, uh, in in this case he was triggered to to, to feel like he was in prison again, or seeing all the the, the mutants uh, triggered him back to you know, the, the tests that were done on him at stock gen. And he just hulks out and tears the train car into pieces. Uh, it was, it was quite scary. Uh, the other mutanimals and mutants are pretty, pretty scared right now because they've never seen slash get this un uh, like uncontrolled since he became smart, but ultimately they're all saved. And we then, Move on to Jillian and Lindsay talking to Null. Lindsay is still very noncommittal on working for Null, and, and, and Null makes it clear that she doesn't have a choice. Uh, she does this by picking up a guard and sucking his life force out of him uh, to where he's basically just a pile of bones in armor. So I guess we're still learning about the powers that Null has. Uh, Lindsay and Jillian get into a, a, a real harsh discussion on the way down from the, the roof that they were on with Null uh, about 
their relationship and about Null as a company and what work they would be doing and, you know, the pay. And it, 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 it got pretty, um, pretty heated, but they're interrupted, uh, and, and asked and told that they were, you know, ex- to be escorted down to the lobby. Back at the Mutanimal's headquarters, Slash is explaining to Hob that it was a one-time thing. He has, has never gotten that, uh, worked up and, hulked out before he remembered everything he knew what he was doing he just was a little out of control the other mutanimals are basically showing the new members uh sally and ray around the headquarters ray and hob start to work on a plan to take over the null building and possibly you know destroy it basically they're they're plotting their next move Mutagen Man is messing with the electronics inside of his his suit, and it looks like he messed something up, and he runs out and escapes the Mutanimal's compound. The next scene, uh, we see Mutagen Man, or Seymour Guts, run into the Null building and basically say, I've turned myself into a bomb... And I've locked down the building. You guys are never going to hurt anyone ever again. So Seymour has gone completely uh, nuclear. He is ready to destroy Null and himself all at once. So he created basically a time bomb out of himself on purpose to try to take out the Null headquarters. Mm -hmm. And also kill himself. Like it was it was like a, a dual purpose little bomb there. I can't help but see this entire issue as nothing but filler. Why would you kidnap most of your characters if it was as easy as jumping onto a train to free them? Right. Like, that just tells me that it shouldn't have happened in the first place. Like, narratively speaking, that was very weak and and almost, I'm not going to say insulting, but come on. Like, you can do better than this. Uh, I do really like slash hulking out. Yeah. But it does cheapen his character Mm. because now he's just the incredible Hulk. He's not slash anymore. He is a knockoff incredible Hulk. Mm. Uh, the, the ongoing conversation between slash and hob about methods versus, you know, what they're trying to get done. That is like a, that, like, that's a really fun, like Xavier and Magneto conversation. Mm. But I don't know if they actually, if it actually pays off. Right. You know, like there, there's a few interesting things here and there. Uh, it, it's re- it, the, the most, the, one of the coolest things in the issue was, was null sucking that guy's life force out. Oh Yeah. Like, that was really cool, but that we don't learn anything. We don't learn anything about the character except, oh, here's a new power. Where's she, where's she come from? What is she? Mm-hmm. Why is she? Why is she? Why is she red? Why does she look like a devil? Where did, where did the Null Company start? Like, we're not learning any actual things about this character. What did you think of this issue? I mean, I still, I'm, I'm really enjoying all of this just as, you know, side notes too. And there's also, I'm get a, you know, an A team vibe. I love the A team. 
So, yeah. you know, the mutanimals in this iteration very much feel like, you know, uh, soldiers of fortune on run, you know, on the run from the law or whatever, you know, you know, you, you, you guys that know the A-team, you know the story. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I'm, you know, just enjoying the read, you know, and it's it could be conceived as, you know, filler as, as you say, but yeah, like we're not getting, I kind of like that. We're not getting more information about null at this point though. Like keep that mystery there. Like we can like reveal that more, you know, later. Um, you know, I don't think everything has to be just like, okay, you're from this dimension or you're, you know, this is what you are. And so I think, no, I just, let me, let's, let's have that serialized. Blah, blah, blah. Let's have that serialized storytelling. Yeah, like you're not wrong. The the mystery is a lot of the mystique here. It's it's just it, the story's not good enough for me to really be interested in the mystique. Yeah, I mean I get that, but like also too, like I like not knowing a lot about a character. That add, it adds to the appeal. Like you know, for for Wolverine for the longest time we didn't have. You know, a true origin, you know, yeah. per se. Um, and uh, or like, you know, James Bond, you know, what's his background? You know, where did he originally come from? You know, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Like, despite some interesting, cool things happening with some of the characters overall, I don't care. Yeah. So, but and maybe that's just me. Maybe maybe I'm just sour on this batch of mutants. I don't know. That's it's just kind of where I stand on it. It's possible. So, and we're getting way too Lindsay and whatever her name is, Jillian. They're getting yeah. way too many panels. Yeah. Way too many. Pa- like if this 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 is a book about the mutanimals and it's too. A bunch of it is just two scientists arguing with each other. Yeah. So, man. All right, let's jump to issue four and knock this out. Issue four starts with the mutanimals uh, making their way to where they think Seymour went, uh, which, of course, is back to the Null compound. Uh, They just drive straight through the barricade to make their way in, and inside, Seymour is basically waiting to explode uh, while the girls, Jillian and Lindsay, are trying to figure out a way to disarm him. Uh, the mutanimals get there and are stopped by uh, the, the the guards. Uh, no one knows how to disarm Mutagen Man, so Lindsay just kind of reaches into one of the panels in, in his chest and just pulls out a bunch of cords, and that successfully diffuses the bomb. The mutanimals have basically taken over this area of the compound, and Hob has a plan to get some face time with Null. This uses both of the girls, Jillian and Lindsay. Uh, the next panel is Hob talking to Null. It was success. Uh, it was successful. And as the mutanimals work their way up the building uh, to try to get to where Null is to defeat her, they are met by Roadkill Rodneys. Uh, they, they look just like they did uh, in the original cartoon. They look great. Jillian and Lindsay complete whatever business they have done, uh, and ultimately, Lindsay punches Jillian in the face and tells her, I'm never going to work with you, even though she just agreed to work with her. Uh, And she says she was able to do that 
with a clean conscience because Jillian had lied to her throughout their entire relationship, and now she's going to leave her to take the blame for everything, and she's screwed. The Roadkill Rodneys are really putting it on the, 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 the Mutanimals right now. They're kind of hunkered down trying to figure out how to beat uh, these robots. Now, all while, Hob is having a discussion with Null. Right when the Mutanimals seem defeated, a helicopter crashes through the window uh, of the room they're in, and in it is Sally, who grabs a helicopter blade as a makeshift sword and is ready to kick some robot butt. Uh, they quickly take out the roadkill Rodneys, and we cut back to Hob, who's in Null's office, and just getting getting the crap kicked out of him. Uh, Null basically saying that you're not worth my time, it was fun hanging out, and you've, you've been, uh, you, you've pestered me long enough, it's time to end this. And also tells him that you, he's never going to win. Uh, she's way too strong, way too powerful, has way too much uh, influence. Right as uh, Hob seems to get a leg up in the fight, Seymour busts through the door and shoots a missile directly at her as she's recovering from being hit by the it turns out it's an rpg hob tells her you you may be more powerful but we're pesky and we're going to follow you wherever you go and every single time you get a leg up on um, mutant research we will sneak in we will destroy it and it will set you back and we'll keep doing this and we will be relentless until you decide that it is no longer your mission to test on mutants. Uh, later, everyone is back at the compound. Ray and Hob seem to have... They're very like-minded, so they kind of buddy up. In the same way that Slash was buddied up. And then everybody celebrates over a meal that... Who knows where they got it. But mission accomplished. For now, Null has been beaten. A lot of stuff is established here, uh, specifically within the Mutanimals' ranks, uh, and it's and it's done very subtly, and it has long-term effects. So, uh, like Ray and Hob being very uh, like-minded in their approach to managing the mutant the, the mutant fu future, that kind of foreshadows a wedge being driven between Hob and Slash. Yeah. Because now Hob can lean on Ray and say, hey, you, you, you're on, you agree. And Ray will be like, of course I agree. So th there are some breadcrumbs there. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with like the Jillian stuff. Yeah, Jillian and Lynn, or Lynn, or I'm sorry, the Lindsay stuff. Uh, Jillian and Lindsay did get too many panels in this series. But prior to this, Lindsay had gotten no character development whatsoever. She was just that human working for the Mutanimals. Now we understand uh, her backstory. We understand, uh, you know, that she was in a in not an abusive relationship, but one that was unhealthy, one that was built upon lies, and that affected her ability to trust people. And they established that, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. They established that Null, uh, the Null uh, Corporation, is a multi-dimensional company, which that's new. Mm-hmm. So 
they kind of save face a little bit in this last issue by giving us some actual tangible details that we can take into the main book. But overall, a, a lot of the like a lot of the uh, cliffhangers and and the results of those cliffhangers were just so hollow. What what what'd you think? What'd you think? I mean, again, you know, me is just being, you know, I'm not analyzing it as much as you are. You know, I'm just <laughs> I'm just here for the for the for the for the read and the enjoyment. Um, seeing Roadkill Rodney's was definitely a highlight. Um, yep. That was really cool. Um, d- didn't doesn't Null from Archie have an eye patch? Uh, no, I don't think. Or did he at some point? Like he's he's basically a god, if I remember correctly. So they were like, if he if he did have an eye patch, and let's you know, and Hob scratching him, scratching Madam Null. That they were, you know, connecting those, you know. Um, yeah, no. Um, no Mr. Null. Yeah. He did not have an eye patch, no. Okay. Well, I, you know, it's been a while since we've read those, so I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, if you had or not. Um, I definitely enjoyed the fight between Hob and uh, Madam Null. Uh, that was really cool. Like, oh, it's, it's like, oh, it, you you think that scratch to my face hurt me? It's like, oh, it was a distraction. Here's a rocket launcher in your face. Um, <laughs> uh, final thoughts. You know, it was a it was a fun read. You know, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of there's some more character development, which is also you know nice to see. Um, you know, because because sometimes in in books and stuff, you don't really get a lot of character development. You know, or especially in animated. Uh, series, of course, like earlier stuff is just like, hey, we're just trying to sell you a different toy this week. Um, but it, I like seeing them add extra layers onto these characters, and instead of them being just you know kind of one dimensional. Um, yeah. So like Hob is very much a different character now than he was when he was first introduced. Like at first you're like, hate him. I'm like I hate this guy. You get out of here, you know, but now it's like, oh, well, okay. He's kind of growing on me, you know, <laughs> he's a bad guy. Of course, we, we love bad guys, too, you know. Yeah. Um, and Is he, though? Girl, and bad is girls. Is he a bad guy? Is he a bad guy? Well, not anymore, but. Like, like is Punisher a bad guy? No. Like, an argument can be made that Hobb is a freedom fighter. Yeah. A soldier of fortune. <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to say is for them to blatantly point out that none of them earn a living. Ooh, we're back to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you want me to suspend my my disbelief while I read this, that's fine. Don't poke me with a stick about it. Yeah. Oh, Don't poke me you. and say, hey, hey, man, hey, man. Remember that time you thought about them not making money? Well, we're going to make a joke out of it, and that's only going to make you matter. Yeah. Ha ha. And they wrote that specifically knowing that it would piss you off. Yes, yes. They're like, thanks for the five bucks, buddy. <laughs> Be sure to look for your name somewhere in these issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's there somewhere. Yeah. 
uh, ultimately, I, I feel like the, the the ongoing four issues that we read are fantastic, damn near the best stuff that that IDW has ever done. And the Mutanimals book is, eh, it's there. I'm surprised you haven't written in to them yet to get in like the back of the book. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. That'd be great. I am it not that kind be. of guy. So, hey, my name's Sergio, and I've been like, blah, 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 blah. How do the <laughs> mutanimals make money? You should do that. You <laughs> seriously should do that. It was like, it's been bugging me. When are you going to give the the, the, ray, the, the, the Man Ray character more character development? I Oh, please do that. Please <laughs> just write in and be like, come on. Where, where, where did Herman have his military service? Was that like a crustacean thing? I'm telling you right now, if you don't freaking do this, I'm unfriending you. <laughs> Everybody out there, yes, tell Sergio this is a good idea. Make him do it. If Mondo was a gecko first, how did he <laughs> learn to skateboard? <sighs> These are the real hard-hitting questions. Hard, hard-hitting journalistic turtles questions. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna push you to make this happen. Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, Jeff, that that does it for this the, this wonderful episode of uh, Shellheads. Uh, as always, here's where I ask you, what are we talking about next time, Jeff? And then this is where I tell you, I don't freaking know because I don't have the spreadsheet. Okay. Uh, and here's the part where I say, give me a second, I'll pull up the spreadsheet. And there you go. Okay, we will be talking about Nickelodeon Season 3, Part 2. So that that is episodes 310 through 318. Okay. Uh, Jeff, until then, where can you be found? As always, Sergio, you can find me at the Warp Zone Arcade, uh, Brennan, Mississippi's premier arcade. Uh, we specialize in weekly Super Smash Brothers tournaments uh, where people can come out and... Um, test their metal against uh, other Smash Brothers players. Um, we also provide retro game restoration uh, for cartridge-based systems and cartridge games, uh, making them new. And we also have a variety of uh, you know uh, games to play uh, by the hour. Um, if you haven't come to see us, um, please do. We uh, look forward to having you game with us. And where can we find you, Sergio? Uh, you can find me on the uh, Shellheads uh, social platforms that is uh, on Facebook Shellheads Podcast and on Instagram Shellheads Podcast. Uh, I want to throw out a, f- a couple of uh, shout outs uh, r- real quick. Um, a, a, an Instagram user uh, who goes by the the, the, the name Ghost Coffin. Uh, his name's actually Carlos. He's he's a tattoo artist. He he messaged us and, and said that he recently binged all of our episodes. Oh wow! Yeah yeah he he. He just finished episode 91 like a week ago, and I was like, uh, 92 is on its way, man. And uh, he, he, he just wanted to send some kind words. So, so Carlos, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I, I hope this, this episode is uh, up to snuff. Uh, and, and I also uh, want to shout out to our boy, Jeremiah. Uh, he, he specifically said that our show just keeps getting better and better. So, again, thank you for the kind words, Jeremiah. Uh, hope you're doing well. And 
uh, again, I, I hope this one lives up to your expectations. It, I, I would hate for you to compliment us and then we, you know, publish a stinker. So uh, no, no, we're good. Uh, <laughs> it, it'll be it'll be fine. He's gonna love it. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jeremiah, um, for for continuing to listen. Thank you, uh, Carlos, uh, for binging everything so far. Uh, that's incredible. Um, I, gosh, how many hours is that? It's a, it's at least 91 hours. Most of them run almost two hours. So it's, that's, that, that's a task. So yeah. Yeah. Golf clap, golf clap. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it means a lot that you guys are, uh, are tuning in and we, you know, we enjoy doing this. Or at least I do. Um, I do too. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't want to speak for you. Um, even though it sounds like sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> uh, I don't even know why I do this podcast. I was like, oh, rebel, oh, rebel. Tune in next time for when we uh, find out why Sergio hates all desserts except for two. We're not. We're not opening that. We're, that 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 Pandora's box is going to stay closed. Uh, Ask Jeff. Him. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. Uh, thank you for joining me today on Shellheads episode ninety-two. Uh, I'm Sergio. Thank you for having me, uh, as as always, Sergio. And I'm Jeff. And apparently we don't know how to end these anymore. See you next time. And we're Shellheads. miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast, visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.